Elon Musk caught hanging out with Jared Kushner and Saudis at World Cup final. Tweets, poll asking if he should resign from Twitter. Confirmed, CIA killed JFK. 13,000 more documents released, yet still more in secret vaults. It's 59 years later. Why? Trump, January 6th, criminal charges. Let's go in search of the truth with VT's senior editor, Dr. Kevin Barrett, right here, right now, on VT Radio. Let's go. With host, Johnny Punish. Okay, VT Radio is back on with Dr. Kevin Barrett. Kevin, how are you today? I'm doing very well, uh, enjoying my second cup of tea with this wonderful VT coffee mug. <laughs> Fantastic. As you know, uh, I designed that cup, and I want to say thank you for being the first one to get the cup. I really appreciate yeah. it. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The audience probably has a way to get it, right? It's yeah, they point. do. They, yeah. If they become a member of VT, we'll automatically uh, send them a cup. So it's that cool. simple. Be become a member, you get a cup, and that's it. Okay, let's get right to it, Kevin. Let's jump right in. Um, today, we're talking about Elon Musk, Donald Trump, and JFK. Uh, Elon Musk Twitter poll uh, last night. I saw it on Twitter. I was surprised. I, I thought it was fake. But basically, he asked the poll, should he be removed from Twitter as CEO? And he was very serious about it. And so that's one of the things. And of course, Tesla and SpaceX are putting pressure on him. Uh, and of course, with Elon Musk, he did this at the World Cup. Uh, he was seen with Jared Kushner in the box with the Saudis at the World Cup final. So I thought that was a little interesting twist uh, while he was doing that tweet. So uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, it's it's all like I can hardly keep up with the Elon Musk news, you know, and I think he's intentionally doing it that way. So he's, you know, he may be losing some money on Twitter, but I don't think they're losing market share in terms of the people using it. You know, there was that scandal about whether or not the uh, the blue check idiots uh, are allowed to post links to Mastodon or wherever else they're trying to you know, get everybody to leave Twitter to go to. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't. I think actually Twitter's probably got a lot more engagement now than it did before Elon took over. And he's he's definitely creating that engagement by doing all this stuff at a really you know high rate of speed. But uh, as as far as him stepping down, um, I would hope that if he does that, he would put another free speech person in charge, and I would assume he probably would. So it wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, and it's it's great that he's in charge right now. We got to see uh, RFK Jr.'s uh, tweet the other day that where he basically. Uh, endorsed the conclusions on Tucker Carlson's show. Uh, Tucker reported that a high-level CIA official who'd seen the document said, yes, we were involved. The CIA killed Kennedy as part of a coup d'etat, or people within the CIA did. So uh, we get to see that on Twitter because Elon has a free speech policy. That would have been completely buried uh, in the pre-Elon era. So I think it's it's overall probably a mildly positive thing that he's opened up some free speech. We can talk about these things. But he may be part of an alternative deep state team, uh, which is more, you know, the, the Steve Bannon, Trump conservative side of things that may not really be that much better than uh, than the other team. And when you see him hanging out with the likes of Kushner and the Saudis, you have to you know, get your suspicions up. Right. Uh, we definitely saw him at the World Cup. He was doing the tweet uh, at the World Cup in the box uh, when he was hanging out with Jared Kushner and the Saudis. And I was surprised by that. I was like, okay, that's pretty, uh, you know, open. You know what I'm saying? It's, I don't know what that says. Pretty exactly shameless. What means. Yeah, I think so. So there you go. So, uh, but I want to go, I want to talk about that JFK thing because last week they released 13,000 documents. It was supposed to be five years ago uh, where the government was supposed to release all the documents. 
and then they delayed it for five years. And it turns out that there's still more thousands of documents that they have not released citing national security issues. What could possibly be a national security issue? Is it 60 years? I think it's 60 years, isn't it? 60 years, I believe, almost 60 years later, right? Well, yeah, it's obviously they're not predicting or not protecting the individuals who were involved in these events. They're protecting the institutions and above all the CIA, which is a core part of the national security state. And essentially, the you know, key people in the national security state killed the president and sent a message that there's no real democracy in the United States. However, if they want to continue ruling, they have to keep most of the population bamboozled and apathetic, and they have to keep most of the population believing that, well, we're still sort of a democracy and you know, basically keep them ignorant. So they're protecting that the institutions of the CIA and the national security state. And you know, they, the law is clear. They had to release all of these documents by 2017. And Trump was ready to do it. And then Pompeo put a gun to his head. And he, Pompeo himself had the gun to his head from the other deep state people. And now the same thing's happened with Biden. So it's really a disgrace. And you know, I've spent my whole life in the shadow of this. Practically, you know, when I was at the beginning of my awareness of what was going on in the world, and I was, what, 15, 16 or something in 1974, 75, I saw Mark Lane give a talk and show the Zapruder film, which had been buried up until that point. And I very quickly figured out that something was really rotten in Denmark. So I've had to live pretty much my whole adult life in a terminally corrupt society where the only honorable role to play was to be completely outside of and or opposed to that society. The really honorable role would be waging all out war to the death against the leadership in that society. It's like Hamlet should have done in, in the, in the play, right? He should have killed the king immediately. And we all should have killed the people that did this immediately. And we still should. Amazing. Now, it was Truman that created the CIA. Is that correct? I believe it was Truman. Yeah. And then he uh, <laughs> he deeply repented. He started taking notes for an article right like, right after the JFK assassination. He knew the CIA did it, or Dulles and, and uh, Angleton. So he started writing this thing that later got published uh, like a, a couple of months, you know, a month or something, I guess, after the assassination, in which he deeply regretted ever creating the CIA. It said it, he never wanted it to become anything like it is, this cloak and dagger, out of control outfit, blah, blah, blah. It got published in the Washington Post in the morning edition, and then the word apparently came down from on high, and it got killed for the larger afternoon edition. Uh, so, yeah, Truman, uh, who was a bit of a war criminal himself, you know, asked the people of Hiroshima, uh, could, even he couldn't stomach this cabal that took over the United States with the murder of President Kennedy and has been in charge ever since. Right. And of course, Eisenhower warned us of the military industrial complex as he was exiting. Uh, and then, of course, uh, JFK took over and within, was it two and a half years, he was gone, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and, you know, and since then, there have been a few well intentioned people in power. Jimmy Carter, I think, was smart and well intentioned, but they're, uh, they're helpless. They're, uh, this, you know, this rogue cabal behind the national security state has, you know, created a kind of a criminal, a uh, de facto power center that nobody can really uh, overthrow or challenge. Right. You know, I'm astonished by people like Obama that, you know, basically, basically came out unscathed. And I wonder on the inside how he played the game so that they wouldn't go after him incessantly. You know what I'm saying? Am I well, wrong about that? Well, Obama, yeah. I mean, I think, I think Obama is just kind of a, you know, go along, get along kind of guy. And, he said the right things, some of the right things anyway, in the run-up to the 2008 election. 
But he probably knew deep down inside that his entire career was being stage managed and manipulated by these very people. And so in a sense, he probably saw his being, a, a, I think, a very cynical individual. He projects being very idealistic. But no, I don't think so. I think he's totally cynical, but not entirely evil. Uh, sort of like Gordon Duff. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> These guys like that, uh, you know, they see their role as maybe doing a little bit of damage mitigation, right? I mean, because they're, they're not psychopaths by any means. You know, guys like Gordon and Obama, probably. Uh, I don't think they're, they're pure psychopaths. They just are cynical. They see the way things work, and they don't have any faith in anybody's ability to really change things. So they just do a little bit of damage control if they can and try to make things better according to what power that they do have. But I think that's the way Obama was thinking. And so he didn't really have a, a you know, a, a lethal issue with the fact that his entire career was created and stage managed by the CIA cabal. Now, I want to go back to JFK when he was, when he was assassinated. How, how old were you when he was assassinated? I, I was four. And, you know, I still, I still remember my mom crying and, you know, it was like the end of the world and I didn't know what was really going on at the time. And so when you became aware of the JFK situation, you said it was the early 70s? Yeah, yeah. I, that was when I went to see Mark Lane uh, give a talk at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. It was, it was maybe se- either 74, 75, one of those two. So it was, it was right a long, long time ago. I mean, uh, I was one month old. I was born in October 63, so uh, I guess I was one month old. But uh, the, the question I have for you is transparency. Why can't Americans get transparency from this government? We never get it. We talk about freedom all the time, freedom this, the freest country in the world, and we're constantly hidden. I mean, it's literally still 60 years later, we still don't know more documents, wh- who was actually involved. I mean, we know that was CIA uh, uh, so what do you think about transparency in the United States? Yeah, there, there isn't any, obviously. Uh, and why did we reach this point where the whole society is just ruled by lies within lies on top of more lies? And I think kind of the two answers are, are one, the one that Ch- Chalmers Johnson and other people like him have given in critiquing the empire, saying, you know, you can either be a republic or an empire. You can't be both. If you're an empire you're not going to be a democratic republic. You're, you're going to be a some form of dictatorship. And so that's one answer. The other answer is that civilizations rise and fall, as Oswald Spengler noted in his Decline of the West. And the rise of a civilization is, it goes along with a sort of rise in spiritual power, uh, blessing, baraka, uh, platonic ideals, this sort of thing that lead people to both be inspired by by God, the angels, and you know that higher level of the universe, and then also uh, give them a sense of living for something much bigger than themselves, and then they make the necessary sacrifices uh, in terms of their own ego and their own uh, selfish interests of their lower self or their their nifs, and they uh, contribute to building a rising civilization. And we look at things like the great cathedrals and so on, you know, and, and the great mosques. Uh, we see that, and. We're obviously at the tail end of a declining civilization, you know, like the the Mayans right before uh, the jungle, you know, suddenly you know took back over their pyramid cities and stuff. And we're at that stage. And obviously, this uh, the people in charge no longer are inspired from on high. It's quite the opposite. They're inspired uh, from the other direction, and uh, it's all chaos and uh, and and evil is afoot. And so we're you know we're living probably in the Akhir Zaman or, or the end times. And uh, what can you say? I mean, just all we can do is do our best and, and try to uh, do, do the right thing in these difficult 
circumstances. Now, next month, I'm going to be interviewing a, a gentleman named Brandon James. Uh, he's the son of a lady named Jeannie Carmen. Jeannie Carmen was a B-movie queen in the 1950s and 60s. Uh, she was friends with Marilyn Monroe. And allegedly, she was the last, per- second to the last person to speak to Monroe that night. She was supplying her with the uh, the pills. She was the drug dealer for Marilyn Monroe, which was the, I believe, was sleeping pills. I think it was. And um, so I'll be speaking to her now. She the next day was told by mafia boss Johnny Rosselli to exit the scene and never be heard from again. So she disappeared for eighteen years uh, and changed her hair, everything. She hid out in a little trailer place in Arizona. And then she did come back 18 years later when Johnny Rosselli was dead. Now, the question, the reason I bring that up is because when Johnny Rosselli was found floating in an oil drum uh, <laughs> with uh, bullets in his head right before he was supposed to testify to the 1978 uh, Senate yeah. uh, investor House investigation of the Kennedy assassination. Exactly. And so that's why I'm, I'm asking this because I'm bringing this up because with JFK, what was the role of the mafia with the JFK assassination and the CIA? What, what do you believe that was exactly true? What do you know? Well, you know, I think a good way to get a handle on that is to read Whitney Webb's new book, One Nation Under Blackmail, which goes over the history of the interface between intelligence and organized crime since World War II. Uh, and the, you know, the, the, the covert action people in the intelligence world, especially the CIA and, and the Israeli Mossad, uh, have been working with criminals uh, because so much of what they do in the cloak and dagger ops requires breaking the law. And they kind of have a certain, you know, James Bond license to kill, get out of jail free card themselves, but they can't do it all themselves. So they, they hire the pros. And then if something goes wrong, they can, you know, let the, the criminal, you know, take the rap or they can, you know, put Johnny Rosselli in the oil drum or what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, in a sense, the intelligence world has become sort of like the top level of organized crime and to some extent, vice versa. Meyer Lansky, the head of all organized crime in the Western Hemisphere during much of his lifetime was uh, in possession of pictures of J. Edgar Hoover uh, and uh, pornographic pictures of Hoover with his boyfriend, Clyde Tolson, which he used to blackmail Hoover, who in turn had blackmail pictures on everybody else of importance. So essentially the unelected king of the United States during that period was uh, none other than Meyer Lansky, who was, of course, very closely tied to the state of Israel and its intelligence services, just as today Jeffrey Epstein was basically an Israeli uh, sexual blackmailer working for Israeli intelligence, getting uh, this material on on American leaders so that Israel and Israel's assets in the U.S. intelligence community could do anything they wanted. So that's kind of just how it works. Ghislaine Maxwell's father, uh, Robert Robert Maxwell, Maxwell, right? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he was how close was he with the Israelis, right? Well, yeah, he was their super spy. Yeah, right. Now his, his biography is called Super Spy, Mossad, the Mossad. Yeah, right. so so it's it's all so obvious. And somehow we've been terrorized into not being allowed to talk about it and see it and do anything about it. And again, I think that's partly because, you know, we're, well, it's because we're living in this decadent empire. And uh, I mean, we should try to do something about it. And that's that, you know, we're always being tested by God and we should be doing the best thing. So whatever you can do in your power to overthrow this corrupt, uh, decadent empire, you should do. Um, and uh, whether, you know, even if it only has a point zero 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 one percent chance of working, still do it. You'll be rewarded. Right. Uh, 
on that note, I want to pivot to Donald Trump today, uh, which is Monday morning early. Uh, by the time this gets aired, it'll be Tuesday morning. Um, today, the January 6th committee is most likely going to issue its criminal recommendations against Donald Trump. It looks to be maybe three charges, uh, you know, inciting an insurrection, uh, possible obstruction, this kind of thing. Um, what's your take on what's happening with that today and where is this going? Yeah, this uh, seems like it's it's not going away very uh, quickly. You know, I was actually wrong. I argued with Jim Dean about this. Uh, you know, Jim's our, our VT colleague, and he he called it right. I mean, he he said like on January sixth, he's oh they're going to prosecute all these people. They're going to prosecute Trump. So I said really. I mean, most of these people they just sort of you know they were just there, and some of them walked through, were ushered into the Capitol by the guards and stuff. Most of those people are not uh, criminally liable. But you know, Jim was right. They were really throwing the book at everybody, and. Where it's all going, I honestly have no idea. But I do think you know Trump was kind of a wild card and, that they couldn't count on, and so I'm pretty sure the rest of the national security team kind of wants to sideline him. So they'll do what they have to to sideline him, um, including uh, pushing these insurrection charges. Yeah, we'd had over 900 people at the insurrection charged and convicted, anywhere from you know six months to I think 20 years is the maximum somebody got, uh, and one of them wrote. Uh, that he's going to jail for an NFT salesman. I don't know if you've seen this NFT thing with Donald Trump. Have you no. seen this? No. Oh. Well, uh, I think it was yesterday or day before he issued his NFTs, which are the um, uh, the uh, crypto uh, market type of thing where you issue this graphic, this digital graphic, and he's oh, got yeah. pictures of him as a Superman. To- token, yeah, non-fungible tokens. That's yeah, non-fungible yeah, tokens. Yeah. And he's, he's, a, he's a Superman. He's a Donald Trump spaceman. And apparently it's sold out within a day. Oh, my goodness. And the value of his NFTs have gone up. So I don't know what to tell you about that. I I don't know what that means. I I don't know if that's his his supporters buying all this or people around the world just getting in and buying some to get some value out of it, maybe make some money. I don't know what's going on. It's it's a some people accuse him being a grifter, uh, grifting that for just make more money. Um, It's it's incredible. So here we are. He's going to be the first former president of the United States recommended recommended by the uh, by the Congress for charges this has never happened in I believe 247 years of the United States it's incredible it's an incredible historic day with, with, no matter what side you're on it really is mm-hmm. yeah well we'll we'll all see where it goes um, I you know personally find that a lot of this is distraction and it's it's a lot of it seems to be more or less stage managed I, mean, I don't think it's completely controlled but I think that the people who manage it are opportunistic and they see stuff. They see, oh, here's Obama, this silver-tongued uh, CIA asset. Let's uh, let's put him in in 2008 and put the 9-11 truth movement to sleep, put the left to sleep, put the anti-Iraq war people to sleep. And so the Obama presidency ends up being a stage-managed kind of charade. And the same thing with the Trump presidency. Here, let's scare the bejesus out of all the educated people and the liberals by putting this, this uh, crazy guy... In, in power, and we can turn them all into warmongering uh, opponents of free speech, which they have. Now all the Democrats are uh, are warmongering opponents of free speech, which is the exact opposite of how it always used to be. Right. So yeah, I, th- I think it's it's all a big circus, really, and, and Trump is definitely part of the freak show. I think you forgot the Panama part, the Panama circus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. Right? Okay, uh, I'm going to close out today. I want to talk to you about the Ukraine war seems to be off the mainstream news. I can't find it anywhere. No one's talking about it. Uh, that means the, the Russians must Ukraine? be doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what's happening? 
Yeah, yeah. Every time Ukraine, you know, does some kind of PR op that they can spin as, hey, Ukraine's winning, Ukraine's doing great things, then Ukraine is uh, front page screaming headlines. And the rest of the time, Russia is grinding away, killing more than 10 Ukrainians for every Russian lost, wiping out all of this incredibly expensive stuff that we're sending them. And that never gets even mentioned. So if Ukraine's out of the headlines, it means Russia's winning. Now, uh, the one headline I did see was Zelensky sent his peace message video to FIFA, which is the World Cup people, right? (laughs) And he expected them to air it. And they told him, no, they're not going to air it. So they did not air that from him. Interesting. Good for them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, very interesting. everybody's mad at FIFA, mad, mad at Qatar and stuff. Not me, really. I mean, that's all just part of the circus. But, you know, it's it's a it's actually a, a good management decision for that particular circus to not be uh, amplifying Zelensky's insane propaganda narratives. And, you know, I mean, they, if they want to, sh- I guess if they want to show, you know, a 30 second clip from that, you know, five minute long thing of him playing piano with his penis uh, to entertain people <laughs> during that soccer halftime, they could. But, oh my goodness! Uh, frankly, I mean, I, I, I think that this whole thing is a, is really a losing uh, cause. This Ukraine war is not going to get the West what it wants, which is the destruction of Russia. Quite the opposite. Russia is going to end up uh, bigger and more powerful, and the West is going to have another loss, just like Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, and so on. And that's going to lead to loss of faith in the dollar. And so the world is going multipolar and there's not much we can do about it. Whether the whole, you know, the world kind of goes through a huge convulsion as the U.S. Zionist Western Empire collapses, uh, I don't know. But uh, I, I hope it's actually a smaller convulsion just for the sake of uh, of my family and my neighbors and, and people in general. Right. Well, we'll leave it at that today, Kevin. Uh, we're ending this today, uh, the show. Uh, this is going to be the last time you and I speak uh, for the holidays, the Christmas holiday. We'll speak again after the first of the year uh, to return to VT Radio. And uh, can you tell tell our listeners, of course, uh, how to f- support what you're doing, the work that's coming up for you this week? That's right. Yeah, they can go to kevinbarrett.substack.com. And you can also find your way there by way of truthjihad.com. All run together. Perfect. Let's make sure we get that out there. And of course, uh, VT Radio, please become a member. We'll send you that VT cup that Kevin showed you earlier. And uh, it's very simple as that. On that note, I want to say thanks again, Kevin, for speaking to us today on VT Radio. It's awesome. I want you to have a fantastic holiday. And uh, I'm going to take a break with my family uh, for the week. I got my my kids coming in, my three adult children, my seven grandkids. I got uh, presents under the uh, Christmas tree. Can I say Christmas? Is that okay? Just so it <laughs> yeah, sense. it's halal as far as I'm concerned. Okay, it's all good, right? That, that's yeah. right, right. Well, well, we we Christians over here, uh, we're we're uh, we're definitely on the Christmas thing, but awful. We also say salam alaikum to, to our Muslim friends, of course, always. Okay, well, alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. <laughs> okay, all right, Kevin. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Okay. If you enjoyed this presentation, hit the like button now. Also, share it with your friends. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. VT approves this message.